Business of Cannabis is brought to you by CashTech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, CashTech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call CashTech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. And it is a great day, at least for me, because I get to do my favorite thing in the world, host the business cannabis on the Hayes Radio Network, North America's most popular cannabis lifestyle station. I'm your host, uh, Dave Sky, and we're going to bring you more interviews than I did in Chicago at the annual Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. I I say more because we also brought you interviews from Benzinga last week, but there were too many interesting people to talk to, so I had to stretch out. Now, it's a business show, so let's get to the business of cannabis value proposition. Uh, I still remember back uh, in uh, my uh, year one of uh, business school uh, in the marketing uh, course, was told you must establish a position in the minds of the market. Okay, well, here's the position the business of cannabis is trying to take. Each week, this show will bring you the most relevant, groundbreaking, innovative business stories from the cannabis front lines, the latest in cannabis brands, in services, innovations in retail, software, distribution, marketing, a hard look at the hard realities of making money in the cannabis industry. We're gonna start off with uh, an interview I did with a, regarding a legendary business story, a Brady Cobb's father, Bill Cobb, was a Florida-based smuggler for Pablo Escobar back in the 70s until his arrest in 1983. Now, Brady Cobb has taken a somewhat different approach in the cannabis space, to say the least, uh, creating profitable and successful cannabis businesses in Florida. He was in Chicago promoting his new cannabis company, Sunburn Cannabis, and we'll chat about his uh, past business dealings and why he thinks people who are negative on cannabis are making a huge mistake because he's made a huge bet on Florida as a cannabis market uh, to the tune of some uh, $63 million. Uh, then I'll uh, bring you my chat with Michaela McLaughlin of Springbig. Uh, Springbig is a popular cannabis marketing platform. There's no shortage of choices when it comes to marketing platforms in the cannabis space, and more and more players seem to be entering the field every year. Uh, Springbeaks managed to establish itself as one of the market leaders, so let's find out how they did that. And uh, I'm going to ask Michaela how she plans to continue Springbeaks' uh, somewhat impressive growth. Now, every week we end our show talking to Matt Cook, serial entrepreneur with a long history of sales and marketing in the cannabis space, and all-around great guy. But uh, usually we discuss what our guests have said and try to put it into context in terms of the cannabis industry and market trends. But this week, we're going to switch it up and discuss at some length the state of cannabis trade shows. Given that I did uh, these interviews at the Benzinga Ca- Cannabis Capital Conference, and it had a small uh, trade show floor as well, uh, most conferences do, and MJ BizCon is coming up in Vegas. And in between those events, I'm guessing there's another 50 cannabis events happening, which is obviously an exaggeration, but not really too much. But I'm making the obvious point. So I thought this topic timely. Are there too many cannabis trade shows and conferences? Have they lost their appeal? Is value being diluted? Do people need to come to conferences and trade shows anymore to learn about cannabis? Or are there other avenues for that? 
our trade show is becoming too expensive to justify the expense. We talked to cannabis legend Brady Cobb of Sunburn Cannabis and Michaela McLaughlin of Springbank, and then delved with Matt Cook into whether cannabis trade shows are still delivering real value to attendees. I'm Dave Sky, your host, here on The Business of Cannabis. So let's talk some more uh, about cannabis at the Bazinga Conference in Chicago. Um, now, some of you may know Brady Cobb's name as the CEO of uh, Bloom Wellness and his One Plant Dispensaries. Uh, they were sold to Cresco Cannabis, uh, rebranded them as Sunnyside. He took some time off, well, maybe about an hour, uh, and started uh, a new company called Green Century. Uh, purchased MedMen's Florida assets for a cool $63 million, but that included a uh, rather large grow operation, around 30,000 square feet, and 14 dispensaries across the, the uh, state. Uh, there are plans to start manufacturing edibles and probably a lot of other plans, but we're here to talk about a new cannabis brand called Sunburn Cannabis. So too much to talk about, really, so let's uh, get to it. Uh, Brady, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, appreciate your time. I really do. Uh, but now, give us the, it's an interesting name. Is, is there a story behind it? Oh, yeah, there's a story behind it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Good first question. Great first question. <laughs> I am a big believer in authenticity, and I think it's something that's missing in cannabis. So as we've taken our time to build the Sunburn brand, literally 20-something years in the making, uh, I began interviewing, I introduced my now creative director, he was my creative director at One Plant, he was a film student at Florida State when I was a political science student at Florida State, we were buddies. Okay. I introduced him to my father, my father lived right outside of Tallahassee, and I told him about my dad's smuggling story, and he went, you're full of shit, and I went, I go, let's go meet him. So I took him out there, and he began interviewing my dad in 2001. Wow. Uh, the backstory, the name Sunburn, so in 1977 and 1983, the my father was one of the largest smugglers ever indicted by the U.S. Justice Department for cannabis smuggling, all through Florida. Um, pegged them at right around 300 million in cannabis, moved into the state from Cartagena, Colombia, to Cuba, Cuba to North Florida, all on shrimp boats. So while the DEA was focused their efforts on drug interdiction in South Florida, where most of it was coming in, he went right around them with shrimp boats, 70,000 pounds at a time, into wow. North Florida, Clever. where there was nobody in North Florida. Actually, right. the DEA had to go get a budget request approved to open a field office in Panama City Beach to try to figure <laughs> no out. No one believed this yeah, was happening. Right. Trying to figure out why all these rednecks were riding around in new Corvettes with 24 okay, right. gold Rolexes. <laughs> so, we uh, he's been building the story. We've literally been building the story for for 20 plus years, waiting for the right time to deploy it. Right time meaning when we could control the cap table when it was right. ready. So it was a lesson of patience. We've been waiting. So um, the sunburn comes from what? The DEA task force that was impaneled to arrest my father and indict him, put him, put him in prison, was called Operation Sunburn. Oh, awesome his, name. His front business was selling suntan lotion, a French skincare line called oh, Sun Systems. I see. He raced cars at Indy, Sun Systems cars at Indy, Sun Systems cars. They won Le Mans in 1979, little wow. known fact. Okay. They bought the GTs with double backs full of cash in France. Amazing. So they named it Operation Sunburn, and cool. we turned around. It's our little tip of the hat to every OG, every smuggler, as well as a little middle so finger great. to the DEA. That's too good a story yeah, for a brand. That's too much. Yeah. You're not allowed to have that. Awesome <laughs> <It's> backstory. Because <laughs> we should talk about that for the rest of the time, but let's not. 
but we should. So let's get into the business side of it. It is called the business account. That's it. That's the radio podcast. show. It, it, radio show. We're radio very show. sensitive about that. We're radio. But, uh, but okay. So uh, MedMen get out of Florida that you got in. What what is it you don't you know that they don't know, or what position are you in that, that they were in? Well, if you were to ask my mom uh, or my wife or my kids, even. I'm kind of the and I'm going to. Yeah, I'm disruptive. Uh, if, I, if everyone's going left, I go right. Okay. So, for me, it was I identified an opportunity in the market. A lot of people see softness in the market. I see opportunity. There's an opportunity at the top end of the market. Uh, MedMen's out. If you want to ask my honest opinion, I can't speak for MedMen, but my honest opinion as someone in the industry for quite some time as an operator as well as an investor. Uh, they failed in Florida like they failed in New York. MedMen was a great California retailer. They redefined the cannabis retail experience. They demystified, destigmatized the, the, the category and the retail experience with Main Street locations that were incredibly well built out. They built the Apple Store. Sure. Everybody in retail, I don't care what sector, CPG-wise, says they want to build the Apple Store or right. whatever industry. And they did. Redman did it. Right. They didn't have the balance sheet of Apple is the problem. And where they, <laughs> I think you see it across. There's a few companies like that. Yes. Uh, and across cannabis, though, they didn't have the discipline. I think that's a discipline problem across cannabis. What I say that is you have to know what you want to be and know what you don't want to be before you start making moves and going in, becoming a multi-state operator. Patience. They were a great retailer. Okay, They should have never went into vertical markets because they needed to be in a market where they could buy wholesale and have the best retail experience and dominate retail. Right. That's why they were successful in California. Right. They went to Florida, they went to New York. Both the states crushed them because they have a cultivation and manufacturing requirement. In Florida, for example, there is no wholesale. You are on an island. You have to grow everything you sell and sell only what you grow. So MedMen went and invested. They spent right around $3 million a store times 15 stores. They paid $70 million for the license. They invested almost nothing in their cultivation facility. Okay. So I would liken it... Because that's not their expertise. I would liken it to... Going and building out a front end of a restaurant as beautifully as you could right. and having a microwave in the kitchen right. and, and, yeah. and no chef. Chicken so the stores had no inventory and what they did have was was, average, was very average product or even worse. Okay. So where we're really good as a team is cultivation, operations, putting high quality flour and premium solventless concentrates on the shelves. Right. And then we get to pair that with a authentic with retail brand right. that we have these amazing retail locations. And by the way, another big distinguishing factor of why I bought MedMen over the other available licenses that I could have bought, the store locations lend themselves to immersing the consumer in the brand. We study other brands. I've studied what Steve Jobs did at Apple. He used the store to immerse the consumer in the brand. Right. So you could Not only true. buy Apple products yeah. at yeah. Apple stores. Right. So the state, a lot of people view the vertical integration with no wholesale as a negative in Florida. Again, I view it as a positive. It's the state giving me a license with government protection and blocking for me to build my own brand in my own store. I can use my store to immerse the consumer in the brand, but you have to be able to produce the products at scale to be able to make that work. If you can, you have a free road to go build your brand in your store. It's always why I scratch my head when I see the Florida brands, other companies, doing license deal with outside brands, giving away margin, when the state is giving you a free opportunity right. to build your own brand, right. just like Steve Jobs did. Amazing. So then, this is a real Florida play? It, our goal is to anchor it in Florida because that's where the brand story originates. We're huge believers in brands. Uh, my, my well, not every state has what you just described. Yeah. It's a, a relatively rare 
It's one of all, I think it's the only one that's vertical with no wholesale. Okay. So for us, the brand story originates in Florida. So it's a perfect place for us to start it. That's where all my dad's story took place. That's where my story's largely right. taken place. And then we have the government blocking mechanism with the brand creation. We will eventually, my target is to take, go, is to take it elsewhere, but as a branded product. When it's established, when it speaks for itself. Do it in Florida first. Right. So, okay, let's, we've talked around the brand. And we're talking, by the way, I should say, we're talking to uh, Brady Cobb of Sunburn Cannabis at uh, the Bazinga uh, Conference in Chicago. Um, we've talked around the brand, we've talked about the brand, we're using the B word a lot. What is the brand? What is it? Yeah, the essence of this brand. What, what can we expect, yeah. We will live at the intersection of authenticity, very high quality, and fun. With an emphasis on the last one, fun. So much in cannabis is, is shrouded in medicinal or believing that we have to reintroduce this category to consumers. I'm a big believer that we don't. Okay. Consumers have been purchasing cannabis in the black market and the illicit market for as long as it's been available. And it has its own history, it has its own culture, it has its own nomenclature, it has its own music. It's been making concerts better. It's been making right. grain laws tolerable. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it is something that is... I don't shy away from it. Right. And we're all about having fun. It couldn't be, a, again, one tailwind behind us, and there's not many in this industry that you get as an operator, tailwind-wise, is the fact that we're coming out of a period of time over the last three years, and we're still in it, that is incredibly hyper-partisan at a mm. macro level, mm. hyper-negative. We just got out of COVID lockdown. Yeah, we went through a lot emotionally. It's been a lot Spiritually. Of, spiritually, emotionally, right. this yeah. American spirit has been dampened a little bit. We're going to go into Florida and go back to a 1970s, 1980s mentality feel where you're allowed to have fucking fun again. Right. You're allowed to go out and incorporate where people are having fun, that's where we'll be. Good. If you're at concerts, we're gonna be at concerts. We're right. not gonna do ribbon cuttings and we're not gonna do a lot of cannabis conferences, candidly, because for us it's about being at the intersection where I wanna meet the consumer where they're having fun. If you're out on the boat in Florida, right. we wanna be a part of it. If you're at a concert, we wanna be a part of it. If you're at a sporting event, we wanna right. be a part of it. Amazing. So for us, it's about going back to a little bit of, of embracing Florida's culture, embracing the culture of the South. It has right. its own culture sure. that's largely overlooked in cannabis, uh, and embracing the, the ability just to be a, a, an American, a human being, and have fun. So we're going to be flower forward. Flower forward. And can we? Are there? Are you? Are there going to be multiple uh, skews? Is there going to be? Is it a high THC focus? What? Tell me a, tip, a bit about you know, what we can expect there. Sure, so we are, everything we do. And, and if there's some names you can put, like are there actual brand names we can? Uh, yeah, I'll give you, okay. I'll, I'll give give you a little insight. Yeah, 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 sure. So for us, everything we do starts and ends with the quality of our flower, Okay. bar none. Every decision we make in operations, every decision we make uh, across the board in, in the company, all starts and ends with wanting to have the highest quality flower. If you have the highest quality flower, your derivative products are naturally elevated because it starts and ends with your flower quality. So is this a, maybe a higher end, a, a wealthier demographic you're going no, after? No, it, is it about? The consumers across any any income range is willing to pay for high quality flower. I think you see that okay. with what Jungle Voice has just done. Okay. You see that with, with what Cookies has been able to do. Well, we did at one plant, you know, our consumers were varying income levels, but when good quality product arrived, it may not be what they use all the time for the, the lower income consumer. Okay. But, you know, it's called affordable luxury is, is instead of taking that, you know, okay, vacation. Term. Right. Yeah, it, it's you're gonna will always want the best for most people. They're gonna want it every day, but every now and then. I'm buying a $300,000 sports car, but yeah. I can spend a 
an extra ten bucks. Correct. For tonight. Correct. Twenty bucks. I want to have a good night. I want to have a good product. Uh, yeah. So for us, it's about having high quality. We're going to focus on flour. We're going to focus on having whole flour pre rolls. That's what we did last time. We don't do the. Okay. We don't grind. It's whole flour. We actually use instead of selling popcorn in the smalls, we actually use that for flour or for whole, whole flour pre rolls. Solventless concentrates will lead the concentrates. Okay. Uh, we'll have edibles because again, if you don't have good quality flour, you can't do solventless. Sure. Uh, and then we'll have I mean, it, it all connects. It all yeah. connects. Because right. you can't use any of the, the, the cut, the salt, the, the extraction solvents that you use are to mask imperfections in the flour. Mm. So if you're if you're washing a traditional Jamaican water hash style, which is what we do, you're only using ice water. If mm. your flour has imperfections, it's going to bleed through. It's why you see the the bad rosin actually is discolored. It should be a yellowish or a almost if it's really good, right. like a more of a white color, off white. You see brown or orangish rajans is because the plant has it had defects it wasn't cultivated or cured properly. So, so it does kind of tie all around because you, you know if you don't have the good quality uh, product you don't have the brand that you want so your fancy store is going to fail. You couldn't have said it better. That, that, that's it. So for us it's about having the highest quality products. We're going to focus on flour, pre-rolls, solventless, okay. edibles. And then beverage is a huge thing for us. So my chief commercial. Oh, really? One, yeah. Okay. So you pretty much knocked them all off. We're not big in the ancillaries, you know, the, okay. the, the ratio products, the bombs, the tinctures, the creams. For yes. us, beverage is big for us for a couple of reasons. Number one, our my chief commercial officer and founding partner at Sunburn, uh, Ryan Martin, comes with 25 years of alcohol experience. So we raised a lot of the capital that we raised to buy to, to do this deal from alcohol. The alcohol industry right and one of our partners is probably one of the most disruptive people in the wine industry over the last 15 years and we've already trademarked the name of the beverage uh tan lines by sunburn uh that's perfect yeah i believe i can't believe that's that was yeah, around yeah I that shouldn't be around i should yeah. have taken that <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. lucky yeah i don't I'm lucky actually right do anything yeah <laughs> the the beverage industry i think will be the single biggest disruptive category you in, see a huge growth there okay. in the next 10 years. Yeah. I, I mean, it's growing, but it's, the number's still small now. Yeah. 100% of a small number isn't a huge number. But. Well, by the way, alcohol is already in. The only reason Canopy and Constellation put 4 billion, or excuse me, can, uh, Constellation and, and uh, uh, Canopy put all that money in, the only reason $4 billion went in was to test a beverage. Wow. They don't care about selling flour in Canada. Okay. This is all about beverage development because the okay. minute that they can. Pull out Corona Premier and put Corona High on the shelf. Sure. Sessionable. That's world. Yeah. Two milligram beverage, sessionable, tastes good. It's it, it'll be it'll they can't alcohol cannot let what happened with Seltzer happen again. Seltzer took twenty five points of market share from Bud Light in two years. Mm. They can't let that happen again. Right. Cannabis yes, beverage. The whole beer story. Right. Cannabis beverage represents the next existential threat. Right. To traditional beverage, to, alcoholic beverage beer, experience. Yeah. So. It'll be hugely disruptive. I mean, just to give you a tie into the brand story, our pre-rolls will not be called pre-rolls. Because my, my father and his partners, when they had a good had a good week, they used right. to call hundred dollar bills Fort Lauderdale fun tickets. So our pre-rolls will be called fun, <laughs> fun tickets. tickets. Okay. Uh, so every product skew we have That's will great. largely tie back to the brand and have the consumer right. wanting to learn more. Right. I love that. I mean, you, you're not gonna appeal to everyone. Yes, yeah, that's fine. But by the way, that's a, what you just said is I think a big misstep by most of the MSOs. You can't be everything to everybody. Mm. It's not possible. Mm. You have to identify who you want to be and go do it. And you're gonna offend some people along the way, okay, fine. You're gonna, because it may not be right for everybody, that's okay. 
That's probably, it better be right. You can't, yeah. yeah. Name a product that everyone wants. Yeah, Apple, not everyone wants an Apple product. No, not everybody wants an Apple yeah. product. Not everybody wants to go to Starbucks. Right. But you know what? Starbucks has their experience and Dunkin' right. Donuts has their experience right. and Pete's has their experience. Sure. So you have to identify who you want to be and it's not what you say yes to that will define success, it's what you right. say no to. Right. Don't go chase the vaporizer pen, you know, distillate market if that's not who you are. That's yeah. not for us. Sounds like you're in the middle step between we're a craft cannabis company but we have big plans. Correct. So that's a great, capture that. That's a great way of saying it. Authenticity. Correct. And this is who we are. Correct. And you'll relate to it or you won't. Yeah. And that's totally fine if you don't. Right. I think that's where most people get scared is we have to have something for everybody. I would argue by doing that you're I would rather be really good at doing one or two things. Sure than the average of doing 30. And if you look at the brands that we study, and we study them intently, like Starbucks, Starbucks was really good at one thing for the first 20 years of the brand existed. Oh, yeah. The barista experience and yes. having a much better coffee. And the one thing they don't have anymore. Those, yeah. those, they don't have either of those things they anymore. Want, but when they started, yeah. what, di what differentiated yeah, them you're right. was they had, it was either in America, it was Dunkin' Donuts or gas station coffee. They right. created a barista experience with... Yeah, a great had, experience, fun experience with, with energy yeah. hey, and how a you good doing? coffee. Hey, let me write yeah. your name on the cup. Yeah, how you doing? Good to meet you. Yeah, you're right. And they did that for 20 years. They didn't introduce any of the ancillary products. Right. For the first 20 years, breakfast sandwiches didn't exist. All the, all the stuff. Refreshers like. and all right. that stuff didn't exist. You wanted a really high-end cup of coffee. It was four bucks instead of a dollar at a gas station. Right. But you had an experience, mm. and they nailed that mm. for the first 20 years. Tito's Vodka is another one we study. You know what he did? He sold vodka. That's it. One skew. Not flavored. Right. Didn't chase a bunch of different stuff. Did just sold vodka. Great and it, we call it an overnight success story. It was 20 years of him doing that that okay. way to get to now where he is the call brand in every bar. That discipline is what's missing in this well, industry. Well, let's, let's uh, we don't have a ton of time left. Sorry, uh, but I, could, no. I, could, I, could, I could keep uh, you out for days. Really, I'm not picking up on that. <laughs> uh, but let, let me just ask you, because you, you said it's an overnight success story, a 20 year overnight success story. What's, uh, how do you see your success story playing out then? Are we talking 20 years? Are we talking two years? How do you see Sunburn evolving? It's gonna, so, we raised capital to be able to stay private. So none of my investors are expecting a liquidity event anytime soon. They're, this is a long hold. So for us, it's, you know, I see five, seven, ten years building this brand, you know, first three, two to three years building it, anchoring it in Florida, and then taking it out and, and going into select markets that make sense. I'm focused on the Southeast. I'm focused on okay. Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina when it goes, North Carolina when it goes. Okay, so some states you wouldn't necessarily have thought of. It's Obviously, Florida is a huge market. It's on brand for Sunburn. So we're identifying right. places that are on brand you. for Sunburn. Gotcha. Uh, and being very disciplined about where we go. My ultimate goal, if you were to ask me, my BHAG, is to be able to take premium product grown in Florida by Floridians and plant the flag in California at some point. Whoa, just show reverse, a reverse takeover. East to west, <laughs> not west to east. Blasphemy, yeah. say some, but that, yeah. this is a great story. Brady, I really appreciate your time. Uh, we have been talking to Brady uh, Cobb, um, sort of co-founder, founder of, um, of Sunburn Cannabis and Green Century. And well, shame on you if you go to Florida and you don't check them out. Come on down. You we'll have be, to. We'll be opening Sunburn stores in early November. Amazing. Thank you very much. We are here at uh, Bazinga for the business of cannabis. Um, talk to some pretty interesting people. We'll bring you uh, more uh, interviews uh, as well. Stay tuned. Uh, thank you very much. And this is the business of cannabis. 
Business of Cannabis is brought to you by CashTech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, CashTech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call CashTech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. So we're here at the Benzinga Conference in, in uh, Chicago, um, talking to the Vice President of Business Development, Michaela McLaughlin from Springbase. Uh, Michaela's career uh, has percolated along in the marketing area until Springbase came knocking. About four years ago, she swiftly moved through the ranks to head up one of the most uh, popular cannabis marketing platforms uh, around today. Uh, so let's let's find out how you actually sell cannabis through technology. Uh, Michaela, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, David. I'm really excited to be here and excited to be at the conference. Yeah, so, um, okay, loyalty, text messaging, brand marketing, CRM, there's a lot going on in Spring Break. Break it down for us. What is what? What does your platform do? Yeah, I'd like to say, at our core, we are helping drive cannabis consumers to action. Whether it's through engaging in a loyalty program, which we find brings customers in more often and has them spend more every time they walk in the door. Whether it's through digital com communication means like text messaging, emailing, push notifications to a dispensary's native app. Um, or even, you know, asking customers for a review. Um, we always are looking through that lens of, of how can we be driving consumers to action. Um, and I think from there, that kind of all stems from relationship building. So um, we are integrated with over 19 point of sale systems so that retailers can understand who shops when and what they like to buy so that they can send really targeted and engaging communication. Um, we also offer co-marketing for brands and retailers. Um, I'm sure we'll get to that, but, but really in its simplest form, I like to say we are driving cannabis consumers to action through our tech. Is there an area out of that that drive that is the number one, that's the biggest part of your platform? And the rest are more of supportive kind of? Definitely, pieces? definitely. So what would that one be? I would say loyalty is really at the core because loyalty becomes a little bit of a quid pro quo, right? The retailer says, hey, I'm gonna give you points that you can use for discounts or merch or products, depending on the region and area of the world they're in and the regulations. Right. Yeah. Um, and in exchange, we get to market to you and we get to communicate with you. Um, very few people are willing to just say, hey, yeah, sure, here's my phone number, or sure, I'm gonna download your app. Um, that really comes when there's something in it for the customer. So we find that loyalty is, is typically a wonderful way to to, to reel a customer in like and get them coffee, to say yes. That coffee date. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Okay. Exactly. Some trust. So who is who is your target market then? Who do you, who do you sell to? We sell to cannabis retailers and to cannabis brands. So on the retail side, that was really the core of our business. That's where you started. Uh, that is exactly where we started, was building loyalty. 
uh, so program dispensaries, basically. dispensaries. Yep. And about two years ago, we started getting requests from brands asking us, Hey, you know, we'd love to text message. We'd love to build a list of consumers. And we said, sure, hop on the platform. But we realized really quickly that in the cannabis space in particular, brands really lack access to the consumer directly because of regulations. It's really the dispensary that holds the keys to those customers. It's the gateway. Exactly. So we quickly realized, okay, brands are having a tough time building their own list, right? They don't have that quid pro quo that a retailer does. The brand can't really give anything away for signing up. So there's very little in it for a customer to sign up with a brand. Um, so what we did instead was we realized, hey, we've got very powerful point of sale integrations. So we know of these 2,700 retailers that use us for loyalty and to communicate with their customers, we can see which brands every single one of them carry. So we took a more traditional CPG co-marketing approach. Think Tide being on the homepage of the Target app or, um, you know, a a particular toothpaste being on the circular of the Whole Foods ad at the right. front of the store. Right. Um, so we have uh, brands all over the country that co-market with the retailers where their product is on the shelf by taking over the image portion of the text message. So um, if oh, you right. are... So a dispensary could say, hey, this week we're featuring... Right, Dave's exactly. Guys. Cannabis. So most which of the time, I have time, to invent first, but right, exactly. You know, and then I could then then ten percent off. Exactly, and you then, hit the nail on the head. And so then essentially, and, and the brand is getting. Yeah, what we found is the retailers are texting about these brands anyways, but it's the retailers' onus to come up with engaging creative every day right. and to tell the right story and like not the, their business exactly and not their brand. exactly and right. on average there's over 2,000 SKUs on the shelves right. in a dispensary in a recreational state if you're a brand you've got to get in front of the people that are shopping there so for brands it's direct access to the most loyal top tier customers shopping on a consistent basis at the stores where their product is available. Um, the other nice thing is it offsets some of that marketing cost for the retailer. The brand picks up the cost of the campaign and the retailer shares the success results from their point of sale data with the brand and says, hey, great news. We moved X number of product and X number of customers tried your brand for the first time. Um, so it's, brands is definitely exciting. It's, it's newer and it's taking off. We are seeing tremendous success and it's, although, listen, we didn't reinvent the wheel. Like I said, it's, it's pretty common CPG marketing techniques right. in other industries outside of cannabis, but it's really the first time that this closed loop system with data available um, has been brought to the cannabis space. So it's been fun to introduce it to brands and see them get excited and see success. Uh, sticking with the brand thing, are they, are they paying for that right yet? There's one thing to pick up a, a, a campaign. Are they actually paying more than that, or is that not happened yet? Like so, you see in the CPG world. Where so the brands are paying, um, the brands are essentially paying to just cover the cost of the message that the dispensary right. is sending. But we're not to the point where they're certainly not paying for shelf space like like they'll You know pay. what you would be surprised. You would I think yeah. you'd be really surprised to know how sophisticated certain retailers 
view their space and I work with retailers across the country that are absolutely monetizing shelf space, monetizing virtual shelf space on their e-commerce menus. Right. That's um, a valuable database. Exactly. Why am I giving it away? Right. Like you said, I have 2,000 SKUs. Right, exactly. Like, of course you're going to pick up the cost of the campaign. Right, what right. About Making yeah. some money. Right. De well, and definitely, I think yeah. for particularly in an industry struggling for revenue. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, we also, yeah, we offer um, rev share with our retail partners if they're willing to co-market with brands. So it, so this co-marketing can actually become a revenue driver for right. retailers that are highly engaged. And you're seeing this. This is happening. It's happening every day on our platform, okay. which is really cool. And we're working with some of the top brands across the U.S. We just launched our brands platform in Canada, which has been really exciting. And, and I think that market has been really hungry for Always happy to hear a Canada shout out. Yes. We have an office in Toronto. Look at that. We have an office in Toronto. We have a lovely team up there. Yes. We are chatting with Michaela McLaughlin from Springbank, uh, Vice President of Business Development at uh, the Benzinga Conference in uh, Chicago. Um, so differentiate Spring Big from your competitors uh, because you're going to have competitors who I assume have similar platforms mm -hmm. in the cannabis space. You're also, I'm assuming, going to have competitors in each of those little areas you mentioned, whether it's a text marketing or a CRM or a loyalty or even brand management. Yes, definitely. So, like you're, you're you're back at the office and the whiteboard's there and you're going okay guys yeah. here's our message yes I I manage a, a large team of, of salespeople and I tell them all the time competition is great it will undoubtedly bring out the best in our product thank goodness we're not the only people here chasing our tails right okay. um, competition definitely propels us forward um, we kind of have two okay. and now that we praise the competition so I would say it's our roots our CEO and our co-founders are loyalty titans. Uh, this is not their first go at creating a company like this that is meant to drive consumer action. Our CEO, Jeff Harris, founded and still owns a company that's actually headquartered here in Chicago called IntoQ. Uh, they do the loyalty rewards for everybody from financial institutions, think credit card rewards, to uh, Eileen Fisher and Party City and very large big box retailers. Um, he brought our CTO, our former CTO, who's now an advisor for the company, um, with him to start Spring Big. And so our roots are really founded in knowing yeah. loyalty and knowing consumer behavior well, uh, which I think does set us apart because this loyalty, there's a lot of magic to the madness, if you will, for it to not be hemorrhaging money and actually generating revenue for a retailer. And then I think the other thing is the way we've built our technology. Um, we focused on integrations, acknowledging that really the point of sale is the smartest piece of technology in the retail environment. So for us to run smart communication and smart loyalty, we have to be integrated. And if that integration is not locked down, ironclad, a phenomenal integration, we can't be great at our job. So I really believe that the foundation of those roots of knowing this business and knowing the ins and outs and centering around great integrations really does set us apart. And in more recent times, compliance. Yeah. 
we were the first company of our kind to be HIPAA certified uh, and compliant. We are SOC 2 certified and compliant. Um, and we are also 10 DLC compliant, which is a texting regulation in the can uh, in the yes exactly. Well, you know what? Every single cannabis retailer in America knows about it um, because if you're using a, a software company that was not prepared for these regulations, your platform's not working. Um, it's basically that the cell phone carriers have said hey, there's certain industries that we don't necessarily want texting unless they are doing it in a completely by-the-book way. So we've been, uh, we were really proactive in, in making sure we were ahead of these regulations coming. Um, and I think that speaks to our leadership and, and the way we've built our business. Well, let me follow up on that. We don't have too much time left, a couple things. Uh, if I called up your customers, what do you think they'd say about spring break? They might not say those things. What would they say? I talk to our customers a lot, and the yeah. one thing I hear all the time is, you guys care. You guys care. Uh, listen, we're tech, right? Like, internet goes out, things happen. But we're the company that's going to answer the phone. We are going to do right by our people internally and our clients every day of the week. And I think, unfortunately, that can be hard to find in tech. And um, I think that's really the resounding feedback that I love to hear from our clients. So we're almost done, uh, almost out of time, but I want to ask you what, because I'm intrigued by this product, because it does so many things, it touches so many pieces of, but not, but it's not cannabis either, right. per se. Right. Um, it's ancillary. What, what's the hardest part of your job then? Trying to... I think it's just constantly trying to be two steps ahead of where the industry is going. When you think about tech, you could learn everything there is to know today, wake up tomorrow and need to learn all over, and then you layer cannabis on top of it. Um, and there's a lot changing all the time. So I think it's anticipating what's next and, and how we can be staying you know, two steps ahead of the industry and, and the competition. Michaela McLaughlin from Springbank, Vice President of Business Development. Thank you very much. Uh, if you are a retailer or if you have a brand, well, you're either using Springbank or you're using something else. Right. Or and we should chat. Or you're falling behind. Yes, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, the marketing yeah. regulations are crazy, so this is one of the only marketing right. tools in cannabis. So yeah. um, it's definitely a cornerstone of the retail playbook. And um, if there's anyone listening that would like to check us out, you can check us out at springbank.com. There you go. Um, and we will be back uh, with more uh, interviews from Benzinga in Chicago. Uh, this is Dave Sky at Business of Cannabis. The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. Yes, and uh, welcome to the business of cannabis. Dave Sky, joined by Matt Cook. You can say hi now if you want Hello. to prove that you're here. Um, yeah, like we uh, uh, and, and while we're gonna we're gonna do something a little different in this show, we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, what we just heard from Brady Cobb, Sunburned Cannabis, and Michaela McLaughlin of Springbank. But mostly, we want, also want to uh, just share some reflections on 
all these trade shows. We've gone to a whole bunch of them. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said at the top of the show, wow, there's a lot of trade show, uh, cannabis shows across North America. And is it um, a symptom? Uh, like too many dispensaries in some states and certainly some cities in Canada as well. Um, but quickly, Brady Cobb, Sunburn Cannabis. Um, I thought it was interesting. Like Very Med interesting Man. Story. Yeah, Med Man. Well, interesting story, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Super interesting. But uh, um, as soon as someone says uh, drug dealer dad, you, you've got my attention, but uh, which is fun. Um, Med Men sell, Brady Cobb buys. Who's right? <laughs> Who's dumb? <laughs> We'll, we'll find yeah, out. Yeah, I guess we will. At the tune of 60, you know, some 60 I mean, The reality bucks. is they both could be right. Um, you know, hmm. it's like selling a house. It's like, well, if, if you sold your house 15 years ago, you go, wow, that was a stupid move. But at the time, maybe you used it to buy a different house um, in a different area that will be up and coming. Like, who knows, right? Obviously, the transaction made sense for both sides. So, that's a, the winner will will be revealed. yeah it's a well i mean you know the bold uh it certainly is a bold move it, it, right. in a state that is unclear as to how it's going to evolve in the cannabis space uh but but if you're going to take a chance i guess well why not you buy in a neighborhood that is is up and coming like you said Absolutely. but they don't always do that yeah um and then quickly uh you know, a spring bake, I, I found it interesting, like, it's a great product, obviously, and it's doing mm -hmm. well in a very crowded field, but it's such a crowded field. Yeah. So many of these platforms that do nothing more than what they do in non-cannabis, you know, and there's right. another and, million of them in the non-cannabis space. And I think, you know, I, I think not not just their product, products in general in this industry are going to have to really start differentiating themselves. Um, to say this is what we do different because uh, if it's just you know we do that too we text and we it's going to be it's yeah. going to be you know it, it dilutes your brand it dilutes your your offering um, yeah. so pick one pick you know one two or three things whatever it is but differentiate yourself um, I, otherwise, I want, yeah you know you're just going to be one of the one of the you know 50 companies that are lined up at the door I wonder if the real play here isn't waiting for non-cannabis companies of a size that would dwarf Spring Big coming in and buying, just buying the, the market and adding it to their portfolio. So, so we have a cannabis portfolio, we have retail, we have, we have all these different verticals and this is just a vertical. And if you were that person, you just wait, let them... Yeah. And you 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 wait and and let the uh, the market kind of right filter, filter itself out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and then pick the win, pick some of the winners and buy your market share. whether it be you know Salesforce.com, that's what they do, right? Right. They um, they establish themselves as a brand, and then they say, hey, that company's cool. Uh, we can integrate it into ours. Let's buy them. Yeah. Um, but they waited a long time. Uh, to do that. And, and they were quite sizable when they started acquiring companies. Then you have other industries. Um, there's tons of, you know, HR benefits and payroll. Oh my God. You can't. Companies. Yeah. And, you know, there's a number of companies that are buying up the smaller ones to get size. 
Um, then there's other ones that are well-funded. Some have done incredibly well. Some have fizzled out in a spectacular fashion. A, yeah. And yeah. you never know. You think, hey, hi, where, why am I not getting bought out? Um, you know, wait, what about me? And you just sit there and you just, and you just drift away because, yeah. you know, uh, it's going to be only the, the 1% that actually get bought out. And, and that's the thing that people have to realize is that, you know, yes, there's lots of opportunity in this industry, um, but, you know, you really have to, you know, make a, something unique. You can't just be the same thing everyone else has. Right. And then just hope someone notices you. Yeah. Um, right. Buy a fancy tie or a, a nice hat. You know, that's always been my strategy. Um, so uh, let's, let's um, talk about trade shows. I've been, Right. itching to kind of make we've been talking about even doing a whole show on this and maybe we should in the new year we'll, we'll look back we always do an end of year review we're just that trade shows is going to be one of the topics we talk about because i you know i know you've been to a bunch i've been to a bunch mm -hmm. give me your overview the the highs and the lows of and, and it maybe is almost that there was good sort of segue from from Spring Big's sort of marketing platform, where mm -hmm. there's just, you know, the forest and the trees. There's so many freaking shows. You could go to one every week. Right. And I think, I mean, I, again, I've been to uh, shows in uh, software, um, you know, technology, financial services, marketing. Um, and, you know, the good and bad shows all have the same things in common, right? The... Um, the good shows have, there's a definite purpose to go, um, whether it's there's particular people you want to connect with from a business standpoint, um, there's certain things about an aspect of the industry you want to learn about. Um, like I would say the PBC conference we went to, if you were looking to understand um, banking and compliance, um, that was a good show for you to go to. Um, you know, we've gone to some shows where I'm not really sure what the purpose of the show was other than to say we have a cannabis show in the city. Uh, we've been to some small ones where, you know, we walked around and it's like, okay, what are we getting out of the show? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, now, that being said, <clears throat> I think regardless, if you can take one or two, um, ideas, concepts, examples, relationships away. You don't need 20, you need one or two and make your business better and help your business grow, then it was worth attending. Um, we've, ma we've made some, some connections um, at a couple of the shows we went to that you know, are going to lead to um, you know, good partnerships uh, and you know, um, people making lots of money, which is great. Yeah, it's um, as I was listening to you, it's sort of what I was thinking is is trade shows are just another ancillary service in cannabis, no right. different than a platform. It's just a business, and the same thing applies. If you're not going to be unique, if you're not going to be a, if there's not a purpose to it, then it is going to be that. Well, what are we kind of doing here? I can go so the Benzinga conference in Chicago. Um, where I interviewed Brady and Michaela, right? There was a you could feel there was a pulse to that. I, yeah, it it was you know it was a vibe because it was there for people who want to make deals. There were people finance, 
people looking for money, people looking to invest, people looking to maybe make a splash and announce a product or a service or some sort of deal. And that's, that resonated. And, and so even though maybe it wasn't in the sweet spot for some people, if, you, if that wasn't what you needed, probably if you were looking, say, to meet um, other service providers or actual customers, probably wasn't your show. No, but again, that's why you have to know why yeah. am I going to the show? What am I trying to get out of it? Right. And it's not just because it's in Vegas or it's in Chicago or wherever it might be. Which are two very good reasons to go. But oh, not, awesome. not, yeah. <laughs> go. yeah, I mean, there, there's something to, well, it's a good place. Um, but there's, it's so hard to know. And uh, I guess I finished my point that, that these shows seem to be following the same pattern of, of let's just have a cannabis show. Well, it's cannabis, it's growing people, but it's not true. I mean, I think those days are kind of over and for those in the cannabis event space, and that would be a great interview. I should interview a few people. You're selling a product in, in a place where I don't know, you, it's very difficult to stand out um, unless you're, you know, MJ BizCon probably has done the best job of, of creating the show of being an early leader. Right. Whether, whether another show could take them on, I don't know. Well, and then these things are also very... Um, yeah, a bit cyclical, maybe. They can have a, a certain period where they, they are the show until they're not. I mean, right. um, you know, I know uh, in the marketing software world, the, the HubSpot conference you have to go to. They've had Barack Obama speak and, you know, Oprah and all kinds of people. Um, but it started out as a, I don't know, 300 people, and, but they were there for a very specific purpose, and they kept that purpose every single year. Um, so I think just like anything, you have to start with the, why are we doing this? Mm. You know, and it can't just be to say, to your point, let's just have a cannabis show. Because I'm thinking of one or two that you and I have been to over the last year, where it's kind of like, what... I don't understand what the what the organizers were hoping to get out of it, and what were the exhibitors and the people that attended? What were they actually trying to get out of it? And invariably, in those moments, it was there were no the exhibitors were hoping for attendees, and the attendees weren't there because there was nothing really for them. And we know the organizers just were trying to make a buck, right? And it all felt so flat. basically if if you think that it's that they're just selling hope, <laughs> probably <laughs> not a good not a good show to go to. But you know, you like I said, I mentioned PBC, you mentioned Benzinga. The, the, those were two conferences that um, you know definitely had a purpose, and uh, I know we got a lot out of them, uh, as yeah. did most of the people who spoke. A lot of trial and error, though, like that. Some of it's luck, you know. You think it's oh, yeah, a great show, sure. and that's also the frustrating part. A company can spend a lot of money. And go great. We had some learning that this show was a waste of money or time. There is something to activity. Just you know, I'm just going to go to ten shows and I don't care because I'm just going to create opportunity from that. You know, but this it's is an expensive road to hold. That's an expensive way to do it. Well, you know, let's just do the economics on you know, uh, let's say a show like MJ Biz, right? Let's say you just get a small booth and you send five team members 
um, with airfare, hotel, food. Yeah, what are you You're talking about? You're looking at 100 grand. Yeah. So what do you Well, say? I mean, 30, 40 to be super cheap, maybe, yeah. you know? And would you be better off um, applying that to, you know? Right, a marketing um, strategy, ads, ads, right. Strategy, hiring a sure. sales like there's a million other things. And so I think you have to treat it just like every budget item and scrutinize it. And then at the end of it, I mean, what I used to do with my teams when we'd go to uh, these big shows is I'd have one-on-one -on -one meetings. What are you trying to get out of this? And when you come back, what are right. the action, action items right. that you're taking from the show? Um, and without that and without any accountability, it's just kind of things drift. Right. And I had fun great. or not. You know, and shows can be great. They can provide a lot of information, but if they don't lead to actionable ideas and, and actual um, action, then, you know, what did you do it for? Well, we're going to lead to saying goodbye because we've run out of time. Um, I'm taking away from that. Shows are a lot of work. And if you don't put it, put that work into it, then you really truly are wasting your time. So part of the work is why am I going? What's the purpose? How am I going to evaluate this? How am I going to judge it either for the next year or even whether this was worth it? And how am I going to keep my people accountable? That's a lot of work, let alone the actual money that you're yeah. spending. So yeah, you some people are a little cavalier. Sometimes I am too. I'll just go to a show. But, and then after I say, I don't, I don't even know why I did that. But maybe, maybe I just try to- Yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, you know what's the ROI on? Yeah, exactly. The show, um, right? and sometimes it can be huge. Sure, Matt Cook, thank you very much for your time. Uh, you. uh, Value it as always. Um, I will thank uh, Brady Cobb of Sunburn Cannabis and Michaela McLaughlin of Spring Big. Thank you. At the we were at the Benzinga Capital Conference uh, for the trade show floor. Had a nice conversation with them. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, thanks to our sponsor, Cash Tech. Um, go to uh, cashtechcurrency.com uh, uh, to find out how to take care of the cash you're making in your dispensary. I'm Dave Sky, and this is The Business of Cannabis. The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cashtech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more.